Thinkers, and welcome to another episode of the Free Thought Project podcast. My name is Jason Bassler, and joining me today is the Free Thought Project co-founder and editor-in-chief, Matt Agarist. We are excited about our conversation with our guests today, Joe Martino and Arjun Wailea from Collective Evolution. They have 5.3 million fans on Facebook, and their bio describes the organization as a news media and education company that creates content to explore how humanity can shift our consciousness and way of being to evolve beyond the personal and global challenges as we face. If you haven't been paying attention, the past four years, the establishment has colluded with big social media companies to smear, slander, and destroy small independent news publishers who were challenging mainstream narratives and emerging as a new paradigm of information exchange. So this morning, uh, we woke up to a full screen notification from Facebook, basically telling us that one of our smaller pages filming cops, uh, which we rarely use, I think it maybe has 60,000 followers, uh, is at risk of being restricted or unpublished. It claims that we're misrepresenting the page's identity or we're creating new accounts um, for inauthentic behavior and making it difficult to know the content's origin or making the content seem more popular than it is. So, yeah, of course, they're uh, once again threatening us. We have no idea why, as you could you know, tell by hearing all that, it's very vague as to these descriptions. We don't know exactly what it is that they're upset about when it comes to this Filming Cops page. Um, of course, just yesterday, for the third time this month, I was blocked again on Police the Police, which is our largest Facebook page right now, and I can't actually post on there. And that's actually following a whole month of being blocked in our group, um, our very own group. I couldn't post on it. Um, it was totally, absolutely insane. And it seems like Facebook's continuing to get worse and worse. I, I know you guys have dealt with some similar stuff even as recently as today. Yeah. I mean, Arjun, what, what was, the, what was yeah. the one that came through today? Well, I recently wrote an article about the infection fatality rate of COVID-19 and the CDC put out some new information based on all the data they've gathered so far showing like extremely low infection uh, fatality rates. So basically like from zero to 50, like 99 point like nine, whatever, I don't know, something survival rate. And that's what the article was about. And it had a lot of information from other sources and experts in it regarding the infection fatality rate. And we got a strike on that article, not because like the, they called it false, but the infection fatality rates weren't false. The sources were in there. Their, expl <laughs> their explanation was basically because COVID has killed people, it's dangerous. And that's it. That's it. it <laughs> they didn't mention the infection fatality rates or anything. We just put the numbers and the stats in, in there. But according to them, it doesn't matter because COVID is dangerous. 
And so they basically forced us to put, basically quote, quote them and put their side of the story in it. But like, there's nothing false in the article to check. It's just, they found our article and they wanted to have us put in there that COVID is dangerous, dangerous and, and we should be afraid people. of it. And so we should be afraid. I saw people who posted screen caps directly from the CDC's website and they were fact checked by this yeah. <laughs> fucking organization called healthfeedback.org or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. Their, their, their reason is like, in spite of its relatively small infection fatality ratio, COVID-19 has led to many deaths due to high virus transmission. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, no one's no one's arguing against that, right? But you can still fucking post the the CDC's um, data. You know, basically what that what that um, organization was saying was just like, yeah, the IFR is really low, but you still need to fucking freak out. <laughs> you know? That's the version of truth that Facebook wants to promote, and it's, it's absolutely insane. It's perception control, basically. They don't like the. The perception a, a low infection fatality article might give out and other information in there that's suggesting it's not as dangerous as our health authorities are say it is. They don't like people having that perception, so they jump all over it and try and sway perception by fact-checking us and punishing our Facebook page and forcing us to basically make changes that we shouldn't have to make. Absolutely. No, that, that's exactly what's going on, and I think people who listen to this podcast will realize by the end of it, it's no longer about fact checking. It's about narrative control. Uh, Just, just recently, one of our um, moderators on the free thought project community group posted a link by daily mail dot UK talking about um, an anti-masker March in London. And because I think the word hoax, um, it was okay. So the title was "Thousands of Anti-Maskers Who Believe Pandemic Is a Hoax March in London." He didn't have any type of truth claim attached to his caption. He never said that this is legitimate, this is fake, COVID nineteen's fake. All he did was post this link and said, "This is what a peaceful protest actually looks like," and that was enough to get a strike in our community uh, for com- going against community standards in our group. So. You know, this is this is totally obnoxious. And as we know, as these page and group owners, the more of these violations you get, the more of these strikes you get, the more your reach is reduced. So it's no longer about fact checking. It's about narrative control and controlling the output of what they call fringe publishers, which are us, I guess, according to them and, and feels like trying to bully us off the site. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And, and it's interesting, too, even like the example you gave at the beginning where you're talking about how, you know, you get these vague sort of explanations. And I think one of them was um, like inauthentic behavior. And the other one was trying to like uh, one of the one of the other ones listed was like this idea of saying you're trying to make the content seem more popular than it is, which I, I mean, I, I don't really understand that one <laughs> at all. Um, but the inauthentic behavior, like, are they trying to suggest that by, cause I know you guys have struggled with like page deletions before. And so are they trying to suggest that in the inauthentic behavior is like, you're creating another page because they've, they've deleted your previous one and you're not allowed to create another one. Cause that would then be an authentic behavior. Like, what are they, what are they trying to say with that? And I think this is the challenge is like, there's always been this extreme vague sort of message coming down so that they can do anything and and no publisher or user actually knows what they can and cannot do. I think intentionally vague. So it can be applied to any, any kind of 
or uh, situation that they want. You know, I think that the rules and regulations are so vague because so they can just they can shut down anybody at any time, and that you know that that way they do, it doesn't look like they're the bad guy. You know, <laughs> it's it's such a shit show, man. Like we get, um, you know, we monetize our videos sometimes on on Facebook, and then randomly every three months or so they'll just turn off our monetization and say that it's uh that we're just there are various different reasons you know <laughs> like that one of them is because they say we're just rebranding content which we're not at all a lot of the videos that we get that we post to facebook are we're like the source for it you know people send us like hundreds of people message us daily and and give us their videos and we you know, we get we have ex- the exclusive rights to them and put them out there, and you know, and but Facebook says that this is uh, we're just rebranding content, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's ludicrous, man. And when you try to talk to somebody over there to to get any kind of clarification on it, they they just point you to the vague terms, you know, the the vague terms of service that we all agree to or to be agree to to be on the platform. And what's even more frustrating about that is that you know we try to play ball we try to do what facebook wants like we we literally have you know read the community standards hundreds of times even though they change every month or so <laughs> and you know they they tell us okay if you want your videos ad, uh, to have ad breaks in them which is monetizing them you have to have a certain amount of editing a certain amount of text but nobody really knows how much that is so once again it's at their discretion and then, you know, you're like, okay, so they want more editing, they want more text. You end up spending three or four hours on trying to edit this video exactly how Facebook wants it. And then you upload it, and guess what? They won't accept it to be monetized. Who knows what reason? You know, there's, once again, vague reasoning that they don't give you an explanation. So it's like, okay, I just worked for, you know, four or five hours trying to edit this video to exactly the specific standards that Facebook wants. And then it all kind of just goes down the drain because they don't even accept it to be monetized. Yeah, and I think that's one of like the hidden challenges that I think um, is really difficult for the average person to sort of like put their finger on it and understand the degree of how difficult it is for the, the creators, the publishers, and so on and so forth, because there's always this discussion of, well, just, just leave Facebook and go somewhere else. And it's like, well, well first of all, like the amount of so it's like thousands of hours over the course of time has gone in uh, which really is at the end of the day financial investment right thousands of hours have gone in to build the platform and then so now you know the, the like let's say you're the publisher right so you put thousands of hours in you build your own platform you build your audience right so you've already technically paid for that with your own time and, and money and then um that is paying you a certain amount right so like facebook is yeah they're providing a platform that is paying you so that you can run your business but it's not like they're just doing it and just handing out all this free reach to you so that you can basically um, just make money off their platform it's like you literally put in thousands of hours before you can make a dime um, consistently from from Facebook but then people are always like well just walk away just walk away and just go somewhere else it's like well then I'm literally having to put thousands of hours in again to build an audience on a new space and what am I supposed to do like run both platforms at once while I'm trying to build it like you know how many hours have to go into that and then it's like the amount of hours that go into dealing with a Facebook strike like you get something you have to go back and forth with these fact checkers back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and it takes sometimes hours because you have to first understand what they're even asking from you write up the emails go back and forth come back to a, oh, okay we can agree on this go make the change and, and at the end of the day what, what I'm trying to get at with the hidden time is 
literally how much energy and how much time goes into doing all these things behind the scenes that that don't end up in even being able to produce content at the end of the day. And that is seems to be such a big part of this whole thing that's a struggle is like, how do you make the choice? I have to get rid of the strikes, which is going to take me a lot of time because otherwise, you know, the platform's dead. But at the same time, it's like, I can't just leave the platform because I, I put in so much time and energy and like, how do you just walk away? You know, and it's it's like, how is the general public going to understand that this is really the, the trials and tribulations of a publisher at this given time? And so there's a lack of connection there, in essence, between the, the, the content creator and the, and the audience. And the audience can't necessarily understand why um, they're, they're asking either for for help, whether it be through donation or whether it be through, you know, uh, creating a new platform and, and becoming a membership, right? It's it's this extreme disconnect of, of understanding how difficult it actually is because it's not just like, oh, hey, I made a Facebook post and I'm done. <clears throat> right. No, I think you're, you're totally spot on there, Joe. And uh, a lot of people, a lot of our audience don't see the effort that we put in behind the scenes. Hopefully this podcast adds some clarity and, and some clairvoyance so people can understand everything that we deal with um, basically on a daily basis. I mean, literally every day there's some kind of new fuckery going on with Facebook that we have to deal with. So, I mean, I totally feel you. And, I, you know, to touch on your point a little bit, that's partially why I was so frustrated and upset in 2018. And just to give our audience a little background, people probably already know this, but in October uh, of 2018, Facebook and Twitter both decided to remove our pages and accounts uh, resulting in a net loss of nearly 6 million fans for us. So as Joe's saying, you know, we've been putting in hours and hours of work into these pages for years, since 2013, uh, 2012 for Police the Police. And from 2015 to 2018, we were making fresh content every single day. Every single day there was a new meme or video going out and at least three to six new articles every day on our pages. Me and Matt work tirelessly. We work seven days a week. We've kind of toned that back a little bit now, thankfully, starting to have a little mental sanity. But, you know, we've invested. And as far as I'm concerned, Facebook pulled one of the greatest bait and switch on us and all publishers of all time. Because by allowing us access to their platform and allowing us to invest to grow our pages, they were also benefiting from that. You know, all these different pages with a thousand different million different niches, you know, I mean, there's a there's a group or a page for literally anything you could think of. All these content creators, all these publishers are constantly uploading content to Facebook. And guess what that does? That provides value for them. That provides value to their audiences. And so we've invested the time. We spent years building our audiences. Our free thought project page had 3.1 million and police the police had 1.9 million. All those were gone in a click. And all those hours that we've invested were totally gone and wasted as well. well. Not wasted to a certain extent, obviously, because we were doing our job. We are getting information out there, planting seeds. But, I mean, in the sense of, like, having any type of financial uh, retribution for all of our efforts, I mean, that was all gone. So, yeah, I think, you know, I could totally agree with you there. It's, it's, it's absurd. It's frustrating. And it seems to only be getting worse. But, but, but Facebook is private. Facebook is private. They could do whatever they want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Not yeah. really. No, it's not. You know, people always say that whenever we, we talk about censorship on Facebook, when they, they just, you know, especially in the libertarian uh, crowd, uh, they all most people, that's their go to argument when you talk about censorship on Facebook. And it's and it's actually not, you know, they Facebook announced in 2018 that they partnered with the um, with the Digital Forensic Research Lab which happens to be the like a propaganda arm of the Atlantic Council, which is directly funded by the U.S. military, the U.S. government, Big Pharma. Um, I mean, the weapons companies, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, Boeing. I mean, you guys can anybody can go re- look at this information, you know, that that this that the digital uh, forensic research lab, which is part of the Atlantic Council, is directly funded by government, and they're the ones who make the decisions on who to, who gets to stay and who gets a voice on Facebook. So the the idea that Facebook is private is 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 a farce, and it's uh, it's not at all private. And these are the you know these it's government agents literally telling Facebook what to you know what they can and can't allow on their platform. And uh, I mean that's that's just that's just one instance of it. You know, if you look at the uh, like the government to Facebook pipeline. Um, there's there's dozens of uh, of former uh, uh, military and um, government employees who who make up the ranks of Facebook. You know, like I'm talking like the the Facebook's VP of Public Policy was the deputy chief of staff. I mean, you know, Joel, Joel Kaplan. There, it, the list is is immense, and um, and we've covered that in detail in the past. You know that that how there's this pipeline from government to Facebook and. And it explains. I don't know if you guys have watched uh, the movie "The Social Dilemma," the documentary um, on Netflix, but yeah. it explains why there's so much. So they have so much difficulty in um, in changing these algorithms and such that just seem to be tearing society apart. You know, it's because the Facebook is in is in in bed with the state and and um, and they work for each other's benefit. Obviously, you know. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And like you said, it's it's getting worse. Like the censorship is it's it's getting to a point where oh, it's I can't it, even just it doesn't even have to make sense. Like, yeah, it doesn't even have to make sense at all. They can just label something. And like we said before, it's perception control, because a lot of people these days don't even read articles or anymore. If they see something that's false, they're going to assume it's false. But at the same time, this massive campaign of censorship has made, I feel, a lot more people question what's going on. They're like, why are they censoring so much information? Why are they pre- preventing me from seeing this? Why are doctors and scientists with COVID preventing an alternative narrative getting deleted from YouTube? So I do believe this, no matter what move this, whatever you want to call them, makes, this massive censorship machine, I feel it's, it is kind of waking up more people. It's and forcing those who weren't questioning before to kind of question what's really going on but at the same time yeah it is it is preventing our ability to get information out and reach people and and like publishers like ourselves were being extremely punished and but i do like i said i do feel a lot of people have woken up as a as a result of this censorship and it kind of makes them want to see what's being censored and kind of dig for it a little more Right. Yeah. No, I agree. And and I've actually seen normies as well posting screenshots of being banned for three days and I actually just pulled one up. You know, this person, uh, this this guy who's on my friends list, his name's Matthew, and he, he literally posted, these are his exact words, I love ducks, but man, are they stupid. 
and he ended up getting a three-day ban because Facebook said that it goes against their standards on hate speech. Oh, wow. So it's no longer, I mean, you know, these are algorithms that are poorly coded. And yeah, yeah of course, you know, if, if we've, you've watched The Social Dilemma, there's obviously a lot to it. There's a lot that goes into coding these algorithms in AI. But mm-hmm. they're also not working as intended, or maybe they are. I don't know. But it seems like, you know, a lot of people are becoming collateral damage to these poorly coded algorithms. And then, you know, due to Facebook's incompetency or, you know, COVID, they claim they don't actually have humans that are um, uh, replying to the appeals. So you get that three day ban and you're like, you know, an hour in, you're like, what the hell? You want to appeal it. You're not going to get an appeal response. You're just going to have to wait those three days. And trust me, I know that firsthand because I just went literally 27 days uh, going, you know, back and forth with these people. And uh, it's I, I'm still convinced that the most of the messages I got from the Facebook group support were just from bots. You know, like it didn't yeah. seem like there was any type of personalization or any type of empathy for my situation. It was just these copy pasted responses pointing me to the community standards, which I've already read, you know, and then they're um, up their help section, which is uh, really largely unhelpful. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's gotten bad. But uh, what did you you certainly feel free to touch on that, but what do you guys uh, think about the social dilemma? Do you guys want to get into that at all? Yeah, for for sure. I mean, I watched it. Arjun, did you watch it yet? No, Arjun hasn't seen it yet, but I'll definitely uh, talk a bit about it. I, I want to throw in just before we get into that, though, going back off that, that whole, like, you just hear from bots all the time every time you're trying to actually get help. It's like you think about it, and it's like, so Facebook, like, they obviously have, a, 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 like, a whole advertising um, support team, right? So if you're spending money on Facebook, you know, you can get um, support to some extent. You'll have like an account manager. Like we've spent money on ads before, like as a way of like, you know, running certain campaigns and certain things that we've done. And like you can get in touch with people a little faster. But like I look at it this way and I'm like, we we were, there was a point where we were spending money uh, on Facebook, a decent amount. It wasn't crazy. It was maybe like $5,000 a month, which isn't a lot, but it's like, it's enough to say like, Hey, like if I'm a small business, that's, that's a lot of money to spend in a month. Um, and you're telling me as Facebook, you're not really going to help that person. I don't know. Right. So we, we, we were spending the money. So we should have had some attention, uh, and from my perspective, at least from Facebook, and we're about to launch like this funding campaign through, I think at the time it was Indiegogo. And uh, we were working with another company that creates um, like, uh, I guess, videos like, you know, one to three minute videos, like about, you know, nice stories, like, you know, your classic like text over video sort of thing. And so everything's licensed. Everything's like, you know, they 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 send you a, a, a you know a big certificate um, when you sign up with them so that you basically all the content they send you is 100 percent licensed. You can never get in trouble for it. So we posted, we uploaded the video and like, this was like the, maybe the 10th or 15th one that we've done with them. And all of a sudden it's like Facebook shuts down our, our page for, I think they said it was a 30 day ban and their claim was that we were using copyrighted material and it was based on one of those videos. So I was like, oh my gosh, this isn't copyrighted material. Like we literally have the license for this. It's all stock footage anyway. So it's like, I don't even know how they would have. Even it's not like you're like taking something from a movie or some where somebody's gonna like catch it right away. It's literally from like a stock video place. So 
um, we're trying to get in contact with them right as we launched this campaign and social media was going to be really important for us to like tell our fans like, hey, like we, we launched this campaign this morning. You know, we need you to get on board. And um, so it took like 14 or 15 days before we finally like somehow bullied our way into talking to an actual human. By the time we had gotten to that point, like as an organization, you know, obviously we were able to, we, we lost our traffic dramatically, which at the time traffic was huge, right? Like you're doing five, six hundred, seven hundred thousand hits a day. So the, the cumulative loss of them making that huge mistake, which they've already had made times prior to that, was was probably like twenty or thirty thousand dollars in revenue just just off that one thing. Plus, they absolutely killed our funding campaign. And the worst part is, is like we went through bots for the first like ten or twelve days, just a, a machine responding to us saying, "Oh, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do. Nothing we can do. You're wrong. You're wrong." And and you're thinking like, nowhere along the lines do they apologize? Do they like you know ever help- admit they're wrong? No, it's just like it's, it's same with like the fake news. Like there has to be algorithms that automatically hit some of your content as fake, and it's not fake. And then you get this like this false news thing that follows you around everywhere that everyone now thinks your organization is mm-hmm. is crap and never do they apologize and never do they they almost what they should do really is put out this big retraction hey this this was never false to begin with we apologize a lot of right. strikes on our uh, page uh, actually don't come from our articles so we'll write about a topic it'll be labeled as false then when you click it it'll It'll be taken to another person's website article that was fact-checked. That's completely different from our own. So these right. fact-checkers aren't even reading our article. Right. So when we email them, like, it's it, we've had a few removed easily, but, like, they're not – they're clearly not even reading our article. It's, it's You're just, just guilty by association. Exactly. Sure. And, and not to mention this whole conflict of interest, you know, so Facebook's idea of resolving these types of indifferences – is to actually have the publisher who got the false news strike reach out to the fact-checking company who issued it. And then you have to grovel and beg to them and explain why they're wrong and why you're right, which never goes well in any type of scenario, and hope and pray that they're reasonable people who aren't hell-bent on screwing you just because of your political leanings or you know anything you've happened to say in the past and then possibly, maybe, they'll actually reverse it. And we've done the same thing. We've actually had, what is it, Matt, three or four over the past yeah, four or five, couple of years? Think we've, uh, and every single one of them has been overturned. And, you know, like, I mean, you guys know the, same, the, the drill, right? Everybody who ever, like, linked or commented or shared or liked that article gets a push right. notification notifying yeah. them that they shared fake news, you know, hand quotes. And... Um, once you get it overturned and the strike removed, proving that you didn't write anything false, uh, they don't send out a push notification saying that that, that they actually weren't didn't share false news. So, but the, yeah, so it's like they 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 go ahead and slander you, do the damage, you know, tarnish your reputation online, and then do nothing to correct their their mistake that that um, you know, that essentially called you a liar. And we're called, you know, told thousands and thousands of people that you're a liar. (laughs) That has, it's it's just insane. That has consequences. You know, I've I've noticed in my groups that people have been sharing less and less, you know, alt or indie uh, media companies, their articles, because it's just a risk now. It's like a gamble for people, you know, even for us, it's like, I can't 
continue to share controversial or even counterintuitive information. Like I have to only share mainstream media articles now if I don't want to get fact-checked. And even sometimes those get fact-checked. So Mm -hmm. it really is a lose-lose. And yeah, it really is changing kind of the whole landscape of social media. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say to that, it was like, you would think that if this was really about like, oh my gosh, hey, there's people making mistakes all over the place, which does happen, right? But it's like, if it was really just about, hey, we're trying to do our best to like stick to facts, then you'd be like, hey, there's probably not really a big deal with this. But it, it's so evidently not about that. Like there's, there's way too many cases where it's perception and opinion that's being told is false as opposed to like, no, this is an actual fact and you got it wrong. Right. Yeah. yeah, not Jason, to mention, oh, you know, sorry, go ahead, Jason. Uh, uh, sorry, not to mention Twitter and Facebook both colluded, you know, to take us down, which is kind mm-hmm. of a huge red flag, like two different social media companies. But go ahead, Matt. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, Jason, it was like this famous thing back, I guess it was like two years ago, he shared a picture of E.T. and mm-hmm. um, and said, you know, here's a, a illegal alien, you know, on Twitter, well, Something like know. that. I forgot what it exactly said, but um, Jason, if you want to say what it said, I'll finish with uh, with what I was. I honestly can't remember. I mean, there was a little oh. snark to it. I think anybody who read it could have probably assumed it was like a joke and it was just lighthearted. You know, it wasn't supposed to be offending anybody. Yeah, it was just a hilarious joke, but it got reported as hate speech, and Jason got banned <laughs> for thirty days. And um, I recently, um, I was just just searching random Facebook pages to see what kind of vile content they allow while, you know, censoring stuff like us. And I found a NAMBLA, a NAMBLA page, the National Association of Man-Boy Love, you know, association or something like that, <laughs> and yeah. uh, which promotes the, you know, pedophilia. And I was, uh, I just went, out of curiosity, I reported it. I don't, I don't normally report pages, but I mean, this is easy to report. You know, these people are promoting uh, pedophilia. So I reported the page. And um, the next day, I got a notification of Facebook. I screenshotted it and put it up on uh, Facebook and everything that the National Association of Man-Boy Love um, does not violate the uh, community ser- <laughs> the community terms of Facebook, and they did not they did nothing with it. Yeah. That's just how arbitrary and um, ridiculous it is. You know, here's a page that, that's talking about preying on children. And, and and that's okay to Facebook, but if you post a picture of ET and make a lighthearted joke, you know you're going to be <laughs> banned for 30 days. It's uh, and this is what I mean. That might be a good segue into this social dilemma movie. Like this arbitrary censorship is creating a, a world where no one knows what's true or not anymore. You know, like Facebook claiming that the C- CDC's numbers on COVID is false information is just going to drive more and more people to the fringes. You know, and that's this. It's making this boom of this QAnon movement. Um, I mean, I don't know what you guys' opinions on QAnon is, but mine is their utter shit who are ruining actual conspiracies by making everything look like pro-Trump, you know, like the, it's the deep state and Trump's fighting a deep state, you know. But, I mean, to, to people who are paying attention, you know, Trump is no different than everybody else in the deep state and indeed part of it. But it's these the, the algorithm with this arbitrary censorship is just pushing more people to the left, pushing more people to the right, and as they said in that movie, you know, it's making people – you can present people with factual information that's actually, that's actually true and they're going to immediately deny it because they've been conditioned by this algorithm that's on yeah. social – not just Facebook but on Twitter and YouTube and everything else that just 
repeats confirmation bias over and over and over. So no one is having any kind of meaningful confirm uh, any kind of meaningful conversations that challenge their ideologies, like without being you know without it being like a like a yelling match or a you know a shit show where people are just fighting at each other, telling each other they're stupid. You know, there's no meaningful conversation that gets boosted in the algorithm. Instead, it's just it's a uh, it's hatefulness that gets boosted and it's it's fake shit that gets boosted that that's what they said on in the movie was that fake news has that actual literal lies you know where people are intending to deceive others gets us uh travels six times the faster and gets six times more virility than actual true news and that's that's fucking crazy man and zuckerberg and all these guys they can all fix this they can they can stop this shit right now and yet they don't, you know, because it, it the the algorithm is designed in such a way to where it needs to boost their uh, so they can manipulate its users into targeting them for advertising. So they could just they could fix this literally tomorrow and just make a few billion dollars less every year. But they're <laughs> not, you know, they're, they're like, we need those actually those few billion bucks and we're going to fucking dismantle the very fabric of society to make those few billion dollars you know it is this is it's absolutely insane man the social dilemma movie if you haven't seen it and you're listening to this you need to go watch it i mean uh it is it is one of the most frightening and chilling things i've watched shit in in years you know there i don't know if there's anything that rivals it it's uh it's disturbing and it tells how i mean it paints a picture of of how social media and these algorithms are are destroying humanity and you can watch it unfold in the streets literally you know literally the fucking america is on fire and if you watch the debates last night it was like an, it was the perfect representation of the current climate in the united states right now you know idiots on soapboxes yelling at each other that's basically all i saw last night <laughs> yeah well and it's it's interesting too because you said something there about like how it's ruining sort of I don't remember if you use the word conspiracies or just like alternative news in general. It's like I, I, I think this is probably one of the biggest points that um, we're faced with right now as as a society in, in general. Like the whole globe, the whole world has sort of got this this challenge because we're, we're realizing that um, alternative ideas about what's going on in the world are very real, right? Like you have – there are definitely things we're not being told and like – it's become evidently clear both between whistleblowers that have come forth, but at the same time, just in general, where the facts actually point. They may not point to a complete narrative per se, but they comp- they point to that there's something going on that we're not being told. That there, in in a lot of major current events, there's there's whether it's a level of propaganda or you know there's facts missing or there's something, and it's shaping our narrative in a specific way. And I think the challenge is, is that. When everything becomes, you know, oh, here's a conspiracy and, and I know exactly how it all works and here's all the truth to it. And every single story that comes out, people are jumping to explain how, you know, Trump is taking down deep state with this or to, you know, every single little piece has to fit into this like ideology of a conspiracy narrative. It literally makes it so that any alternative idea gets thrown in with that insanity, right? And I wrote an article recently called Conspiriality, which kind of expo- it, it, it explores this whole idea that like, okay, conspiracy theories, which is a you know propaganda term to begin with, there are things out there that we call conspiracies that are absolutely real, and we got to start talking about them. So that's where you get the conspiriality part of it. But the, the kicker is that there's a culture of people who 
follow quote unquote conspiracy theories who are actually sort of like uh, I'm gonna say, I don't want to say ruining the conversation, but making the conversation extremely difficult to have because they're so extreme about it, and their 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 uh, their standard for truth and evidence is so low that they'll just believe everything and share everything so wholeheartedly. So when you said that thing about how in the film, the social dilemma, you know, they the fake news does spread six times faster. It's like, yeah, I mean, I see that. I see that legitimately fake stories that people just don't take the time to check do spread like crazy. And then when you share something that sounds similar, but that's actually true and that's not as dramatic, but it's actually the facts, nobody shares it because yep. it's not as dramatic, but it is yep. true. Right. People need to, I think people need to really, especially in this alternative media world, they need to be careful of what they share and really look for credible sources and evidence. Like it's okay to speculate and stuff, but to say something is without providing any reasoning or evidence makes it easier for these fact checkers to, to kind of group people like us in there and throw us in that category and say, this is all fake. Um, like for example, um, Joe, you recently wrote about the David Icke 5G interview. Like, if you want to talk about the dangers of 5G, there's mm -hmm. plenty of peer-reviewed scientific research, plenty of credible, uh, a lot of credible papers put out there showing the, the harms that um, unnatural sources of electromagnetic radiation um, cause. But when you say uh, 5G coronavirus, uh, a plan to kill us all, this and that, like, the ones who are trying to create awareness about 5G dangers in a credible way, are grouped into that, and uh, we're all called conspiracy theorists, you know? Right. Right. No, it, we certainly need to uh, use our discernment, you know, as individuals. Uh, it, it's certainly difficult because social media has propagated an environment for public figures or um, so-called thought leaders to cherry-pick information and to market that content to their echo chambers who are already seeking bias confirmation. So it's just amplifying, it's continuing, it's only growing as we've seen, you know, and I've, I know personal, I have family members who have, you know, recently, as of, you know, the, the more recent protests and riots, like he wasn't even interested in politics. And now he's like totally on board with the QAnon, he's a Trump supporter. And it's like, man, what happened to you? Like, you were just telling us, you know, in March to all wear masks. And now you're telling me, that, you know, that masks are garbage and of course we all have our own feelings on that but it's like almost like he's been programmed and i thought he was smart enough to kind of be able to to recognize that and use his own discernment but unfortunately it seems like that hasn't been the case you know and um it, it's yeah it's it's really uh ramping up for mm -hmm. sure and if i could um touch here on the social dilemma i actually wrote a little bit of a review this morning so if you don't mind indulging me for a minute or two but um I thought the first half was actually educational, and I think it's important um, to view it for a larger understanding of the mechanisms at work. Uh, but the second half, like specifically the last like 25 minutes or so, felt more like propaganda to me. I agree. Including like having a kid who was scrolling his news feeds with memes that said "Don't vote." You know, I thought that was kind of funny, as if that's like a some kind of cultural taboo you know and meanwhile social media companies are ramming it down our throat to you know um, sign up to vote and 
multinational corporations, sports leagues like the NBA and athletes are all bombarding, bombarding us with messages, encouraging people to vote and continue placing faith into this broken and rigged system. You know, mm-hmm. so, well, I think it touches on like some important subjects like social media addiction, which is very real. Uh, it, it touches on like appropriate age use for social media, um, how it's changing um, self-worth and identity for a whole generation of teens and tweens. And of course, like the division and polarization, um, it's important to understand the lengths that the tech giants have gone through to get people hooked with all the psychology that goes into the coding and AI. But uh, with that being said, I, I still kind of dislike the sensationalism and dramatization, like the creepy, ominous music and the whole like doom and gloom overtone. Yeah. Um, the fictional and, part was cheesy. Yeah, and I agree. It was kind of propagandistic. As, as far as I'm concerned, like the internet and social media are tools like any other tool, and it's kind of up to the user, like how how they use them and to use them responsibility or responsibly. You know, it, it, it's nobody else's um, job to to know how to do that. It's, it's ultimately right. up to the responsibility to of the user to recognize personality changes or if you have addiction traits or if you're being overly stimulated and just like video games or gambling or binge watching Netflix, you know, um, it, it assumes and alludes to this idea that people don't have enough willpower to change their own negative behavior. And we're all just victims of this, you know, psychological manipulation. And, you know, this is the future. Like this is the internet. Like we're, we're, you know, we were waiting for 2015 Back to the Future, you know, part two. Like, what's the future look like? I mean, we're, we're kind of living in it right now. And, uh, you know, we're all personally responsible for our actions, for our behaviors. Uh, no one else. And nobody knows what's best for us, especially not bureaucrats or government or some kind of central planners. So that was kind of like the issue I had with it is like it kind of made everybody seem like they were victims to this whole thing when – I kind of think like any like anything else, you know, it's kind of up to the person and how they use it. Um, I, I could keep going, you know, I have a few other notes here, but um, yeah, I, there are some good things about it. There's some some kind of cheesy, you know, I actually want to look into who created this whole documentary and see who they're funded by because it, it did feel like there were um, some undertones of like the establishment is always right. So never question things like vaccines or geoengineering or if you should vote. Yeah. You know, and, and of course, just to top it off, the cherry on top, and I'll shut up here, is like there was zero information about government spying. There was no like word or mention of the NSA or prison program. And yeah. of course, the you know revolving door with government that the, the big, big tech companies have. So it felt like they were missing out on a lot of information as well. 100%. And it's almost like uh, there's, there's this idea I've been exploring a lot lately about how um, like to to, to really look at um, a lot of these ideas more completely, you kind of have to think about how, um, like, say, for example, in the social dilemma, where they they, kind of take that sort of propaganda tilt at some point, right? It makes you ask the question, like, the creators of it, right? Were they using something like a documentary, which is supposed to be journalistic in nature the majority of the time. I mean, from the way they went about theirs, it was supposed to be this sort of journalistic approach, fact-driven, um, data-driven, really looking at this stuff from what appeared to be an objective point of view. But then you ask the question, are, are people today using journalism um, 
just to kind of mask their own activism, right? Which is not to say that it's a negative thing per se, but it's to ask the question then, okay, if that's the case, if there are journalists using journalism for the purpose of activism, then there's an inherent bias, right? It's not to say that the information is not true. It's to say that it's going to be clouded in a particular uh, with a particular undertone. And, and it really then at that point becomes important that people have the inner faculties to be able to really understand what is the journalistic bias here. And when I was watching The Social Dilemma, I kind of felt like it, like you were saying, like the first half, it's like, okay, well, they're going very data-driven. They're very data-driven. This is great. Then out of nowhere, it becomes all conspiracy theorists are nuts. They only develop that because they're being given the same information over and over and over again, which it's like, maybe that's partly true on YouTube, but then think about the amount YouTube has been shutting out specific voices over the rec in their recommendation uh, engine. Think about how much Facebook, you know, shuts out all of our content, like yours and, and ours, right? It's like you start to realize that you're like, well, part of this narrative doesn't really make sense because they wouldn't just be feeding people what they're interested in all the time just for their, you know, particular, like if they were doing that all the time, then, you know, our two companies would be sitting here probably going, hey, we have no reach issues because they're literally sending our content to people endlessly, right? So we know that it's it's like not entirely true, but we know that there's some truth to it. And at the end of the day, it's just, again, it sort of used this, this powerful um, initial first half of the film to sort of then push this sort of journalistic bias that's stated. And all these people are nuts for even thinking that any of these conspiracy theories are, are true. I mean, look, a guy went and shot another guy because of Pizzagate. It's like, hold on a second. In the exact same sentence, you could say, what is Pizzagate? Pizzagate was this idea that although it got clouded by some extremism, the idea was that there are elite individuals, so politicians, celebrities, so on and so forth, that utilize children um, and pedophilia for some purpose related to their dealings. We don't really know what that is per se, but that's, what, that's kind of what it says. Well, what is the Jeffrey Epstein case revealing? That elite people and politicians utilize pedophilia specifically for political blackmail. That's really what's coming out here, right? So how is Pizzagate really any different than what the Jeff, Je Jeffrey Epstein case is revealing? And yes, there might be extremism with Pizzagate, but it's like you're throwing out the baby with the bathwater and not realizing what, how real Pizzagate's, some of its underlying ideas, not all of it, but some of the underlying ideas are with reality. And, and those are like really tricky narrative controls that go on that I think, again, comes back to this whole idea of, of, of why I think conspiracy theories, as we call them, are becoming so important and, and why I believe the culture of people who look at this stuff need to really think about, am I hurting my cause by doing poor research, by sharing poorly backed up information or by stating something as a fact when it's really not yet? Right. Yeah. We even actually, it's funny you touch on that. We actually got hit. Um, one of our social media guys posted a totally, completely true, 100% factual link about a cop who was involved with a pedophilia ring. And Facebook ended up taking it down and giving us a strike on our Police the Police page because they said that there was nudity in the article. And there is zero nudity in the article. There's no pictures in the article except for the thumbnail. So I reached out to our Facebook insider, 
And yeah, everybody who does this job has to have at least one Facebook insider that they could reach out to just to see, you know, if they have any inside connections to figure out what the hell is going on. And he basically came back to us and said that he's debating with the people within the content policy at Facebook because they're claiming that was QAnon related. So it had <laughs> nothing to do with nudity. The article was completely true, totally factual. And because they think that somehow it was related to QAnon, they pulled it down. And we've never once posted anything about QAnon on any of our sites or on our site or on any of our pages. Never. Like, we've never dipped our toe in that water. And somehow they come to this conclusion. So, um, yeah, this is, this is very, very real. And, you know, it certainly has nothing to do with the, the reasons that they're giving. Yeah, and yeah. You know, to, to touch on what I said about it, I don't think that you know that we need government regulation or anything like that to fix this. You know, I think that it's and Facebook needs to needs to address this algorithm that's causing this divide and and stoking it and and that helps you know spread the these lies. And um, and it, it's totally up to the person and the individual to be aware that they're being manipulated. But you know, that's not very easy. You know, I was I was in the Marine Corps for four years and I was being manipulated, and it took me. You know, it took me five or six years to, to break free from that, um, you know, and I'm still sure. breaking free from lots of different paradigms to which I've subscribed over my lifetime, you know. Sure. So, uh, I mean, I you know, it's definitely up to the individual to be able to, to combat these things. And um, but, you know, we got to help get that information out there in order to, you know, maybe alert somebody to what to the, the fact that they're being manipulated. And uh, yeah, and on Q, the 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 stupid Q shit, it's kind of taken away from the real epidemic of pedophilia. You know, like according to to the Q tards out there, they think that that all pedophilia exists only in in left wing elites. You know, <laughs> they completely dismiss the fact that Epstein was and Trump were great friends. Epstein's on record saying that he lo- you know he likes women just as much as as um, as Epstein, and and that he likes them on the younger side as well. You know, like there's. There's there's so many facets to this thing that that get muddied by these bullshit conspiracy theories that are that are not true, you know, when there's the the real conspiracies that are out there and where real people are being harmed. And uh it's it's as if the the social media algorithms are out there promoting the deliberately bullshit conspiracy theories in order to make people like to associate it with people like us kind of like what the cia invented the damn term conspiracy theory for in the first place yeah 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 just saw a video this morning uh 4.4 million views of cops beating up antifa and that's that's totally cool you know that totally flies no uh blur cover over you know the video no uh fact check it's still up on facebook so as long as we're dividing each other you know and in full steam when it comes to that then everything seems to be a-okay yeah, I saw a video. It was it was horrible. It was a horrific video. It was like three guys beating up a a raccoon with bats. You know, they were like bashing in a a raccoon with bats and uh Oof. and yeah, and this was on Facebook and it said BLM. This is what BLM does, you know. And that thing had like like 14 million views. And and it was there's there was nothing in the video that said anything that these guys were with BLM or anything, but yet they were, you know, the the Facebook's just promoting this video and yeah it's crazy we did a piece last year that uh i don't even know how to say his name but the takeshi 69 guy that uh yeah that like (laughs) human turd he he actually live streamed a video to instagram 
of <clears throat> him having like sexual not he didn't actually like have intercourse with her but you know he's he's rubbing a a 13 year old girl and the other guys on the video with him having sex with the 13 year old girl this is de facto child pornography live streamed to Instagram and um he pleaded guilty to it to 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 participating in the sexual harm of a child his account was not deleted in fact like he could post posters of his upcoming shows and they had like a golden algorithm, you know, even any everybody knows that if you try to promote something on Facebook, they they don't they like like a like a, an event or a, a product or something that it that it could, you know, it's it you might as well be like screaming at a wall because Facebook is not going to share that, not going to put that in anybody's newsfeed. But here you have a dude who posted literal child pornography live streamed it to his Instagram and and has a Facebook account, too where they actually promote his posts that no one else gets to promote. It's almost as if they want that shit out there, you know? It's it's <laughs> it's absolute insanity. Yeah, it again, there's so many of these examples of like where it just doesn't make sense at all. And I think the challenge with the with the QAnon stuff is again, it's like people people who research it viciously would say, "Oh, but all the evidence points to it." Oh, all the evidence like and, and this is the thing that, that's so tricky and why I personally think it's somewhat of a psychological operation that's being done on people because they they've taken they've taken things that like some of them are somewhat some of the drops relate to verifiable stuff or some of the drops relate to um, real things that are going on and then analysts. So not so much the actual drops themselves but analysts who primarily make up the the culture of how q narratives are formed um those analysts like put things together in a a completely circumstantial evidence you know kind of uh point of view where they, they pull together all this stuff and then they tell this like really crazy story and like most people go well that sounds right that sounds right and it's like it's not that all of it's completely false it's that it's like you don't know for sure, and there's probably a lot more to the story that you don't realize, but they're acting as though it's a complete and utter fact, and I think that's what makes it so shocking to me to see how low people's level of standards are because it's like, right. yeah, there's something there's something there you're talking about, but at the same time, it's like you think it's 100% real, and, and what your narrative is actually like have you not considered that you're part of a massive psychological operation that is being played on you to reinvigorate this whole community into supporting politicians once again like is it is it not possible that that's what's going on you know like i I just think this is such an important thing and um one other little thing i wanted to kind of throw in which actually arjun's gonna uh talk a little bit about the story but there's i i ask people all the time like consider the implications of when a fact checker is wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So all of us here, we're gonna, we, we talk about it from the standpoint of like, oh, well, it harms our business and, and it, it makes us look bad and all these different things. But, you know, something else happened recently, which was covered in this new film that came out called Thrive 2. And it involves a Zimbabwe inventor who was working on, um, we'll say clean energy technologies, but Arjun. Yeah, he, so there's, there's an inventor from Zimbabwe and he developed a, uh, a system that can, for example, put it in a car, it powers the car, uh, it has batteries, it jump starts the car, which is electric, and then 
the the batteries pull energy from kind of um, radio frequencies. radio frequencies, the electromagnetic field, and uh, to charge itself. So basically, it's an electric car that charges itself and can run forever, basically. And this guy was covered on multiple media outlets in Zimbabwe, like um, covered extensively. And then I wrote a story about it a few years ago, and it kind of went viral. And then fact checkers jumped all over, basically explaining no evidence at all is saying it's false. Um, it breaks the second law of thermodynamics. It's not possible um, without investigating at all. Zero investigation. And we've looked into this more. I mean, I've contacted him before and in a new film by yeah, Foster and Kimberly Carter Gamble, they actually went to Zimbabwe and they filmed it. Brought engineers. Brought engineers. <laughs> they vetted the technology. Um, it's... If it, to me, it's quite clear that this is real, and the implications are huge. And this guy was in jail. He was put in jail. His partner was killed. This guy was recently poisoned, and he's still recovering. It's, mm -hmm. It doesn't even look like like it, the, whatever they gave him was long lasting because he's sick. Um, they're in this video. Government government officials came. They gave him a purchase power agreement, right? Yeah. So the Zimbabwe government actually is trying to, to use his technology after they already tried, they killed one of his partners. And after they tried to shut him down before, they realized they can't. So now they're they're trying to agree with him. And, yeah. and what I find so fascinating is like, yes, when you're like, well, the way we wrote about it when we first came across this was, hey, this is what this guy's saying. We don't know if it's accurate. We don't know if it's true, but here's what he's saying. And, right. and you decide. Right. 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 Snopes comes in. PolitiFact comes in. This is completely false. These guys are idiots for even yeah, thinking about this. Right. That's essentially the way Snopes wrote it. And I'm thinking to myself, the implications of this are now you have like, let's say you align with the idea that uh, we need to clean up the technologies that we use on this planet. And somebody actually has invented a way of doing that. And other people who say have a lot of money are very curious in finding out where to invest in creating technologies that can change the way we pollute our planet. And now those people see this story, but then find out, oh, no, it's fake news because PolitiFact and Snope told me it is. So now that that particular invention doesn't get any attention. Like, luckily, the people that ended up going to vet him already think outside the box. And they knew that, you know, it was it was BS that, that it was debunked. But this is one of those main things where it's like if you can have something that le legitimately can can be extremely beneficial for humanity, but because a fact checker decides to do no research and to just sit on their armchair and say this is fake, yeah, you're you're affecting the perception of so many people who now think, oh yeah, no, this is this is complete bullshit. There's no, it's not worthy of any more investigation. So it's it stops a conversation. That is very important because, yeah, while we may not know the 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 degree to which this technology is real and and we we may not yet have provided rigorous testing, we're not even going to because we've already been told, oh no, it's bullshit. Don't even look at it. And and it's the same thing as like uh, the fact checkers have become a new I don't know what you want to call it, but like I don't want to go into the whole global warming thing, blah blah blah. But electric cars, for example, were around I don't know 1912, definitely in the 1950s and 60s, like. Why aren't we all driving around in electric cars right now, you know? And even if, you know, like, there's a, so many different examples of technologies. Like, uh, America has um, 
a patent secrecy list where mm-hmm. they where they two thousand plus patents. yeah if a, if a if an invention threatens national security and they don't even have to tell you how it it's it, you can't bring it out and in the nineteen seventies there were solar power generators with like eighty percent efficiency on that list mm-hmm. which is even huge for today so mm-hmm. it's like wow. yeah. How how dare you guys? You, you you know how dare you plebs talk about this? You know it's the establishment knows best always, uh-huh. and uh, don't ever question the establishment. That's kind of the tone, you know. Once you start paying attention to this, what it feels like they're really trying to to say to us. And um, yeah, I think the internet collectively came to a conclusion uh, over the past few years that Snopes is a total joke and (laughs) obnoxious and probably the most useless fact checker on the internet. And then all of a sudden here comes lead stories like hold my beer. And you know, they're even more obnoxious now. I mean, those guys are, I think I saw some stats and like those guys by far have the most fact checks on Facebook lead stories does. And those guys are aggressive, man. Like, I don't know what they're getting paid to do these fact checks. And, and don't forget, you know, we haven't even touched on this. These guys have incentive to do these fact checks. You know, they have ads on their own sites, you know, especially if they touch on some topic that's uh, currently trending and popular and viral, you know, they'll come in and say, no, no, hold on, everybody. We're the arbiters of truth. We know what we're talking about. And then everybody goes there and looks at their fact check and they get all these clicks while they're making money. Who knows what these backdoor deals with Facebook and how much they're getting paid from Facebook as well, right? So, I mean, it's a total shit show. You know, I I feel like um, we could probably continue to rant on and on about this. And it's certainly been therapeutic, I think, for all of us to talk about this stuff because, um, you know, there's not many people who understand and can relate to all the shit that we go through on a daily basis with a lot of this drama. So, um, Maybe uh, in a second here we get into solutions, but I did want you to talk about one thing, Joe. And you know we've been kind of harping on Facebook and maybe touching a little bit about Twitter, but you guys were having issues with Google as well. And that last interview we did with um, Christina Tobin, you were you were explaining how much you've lost in, in revenue from that. Do you do you mind going into that for a sec? Yeah, essentially, like so you you, you kind of got for the listeners. Um, basically, what happens is is you you utilize Google as a publisher, right? So you're a publisher, you utilize Google because what they've effectively done is they've said, hey, we have all these publishers and if you want to advertise your product, we can be the middleman to get it onto their platform. And the publishers love that because I don't need to go sell my own ad space. I can use Google and they can just get me sort of the, the best price that they can get me and, and that's all it is. So the more people you run to your website, the more money you make. So you use Google because it saves you a ton of time and having to go sell your own ad space to individual companies. So we were using Google for probably seven or seven and a half, maybe eight years. Um, every single time at the end of the month, right, you you look and you say, okay, well, there's going to be a, a certain amount of invalid traffic. And what that means defined by Google is, let's say a, a bot or a crawler comes on your site and and just like, you know, caching pages and sending information back to search engines, all these different things, it's normal, and then accidentally clicks an ad, then, you know, they just take away that revenue, right? Typically that makes up anywhere between one and 5% of the revenue that you make in a month. So it's very, very insignificant. Now, we had that pattern for seven or eight years, however long we, we used them, I forget the exact date we started, but exact same pattern every single month. And then all of a sudden, January uh, 2020, uh, at the end of the month, they claimed that 40 or 45% of our traffic was invalid. We didn't know this yet because we didn't start to figure it out until what we knew we should have been making and what we were actually getting was different. 
So we, it, it took accounting to have to say, hey, um, you're not getting the money you're telling me you're getting. And I was like, what? And this was in April. So it, it took from January to April for us to realize that Google was taking away anywhere between 50 and 60 or an 80 percent of our revenue at the end of the month, claiming that it's all invalid traffic. Wow. And when when so when we kind of realized that we started to like really look into it, we contact as many people as we could. We tried to understand what was going on. We double checked all of our of our uh, sort of our server logs to determine, hey, is anything weird going on here? Has our traffic changed? Has the behavior changed? Is there some weird crawler or bot or something happening? Couldn't find anything. So we uh, we eventually got to the point after like six or seven months where it was really bad. We had probably lost in that year because, I mean, everybody's been hit so hard with traffic. So it wasn't as significant as it would have been back in the day. But we probably lost about 60000 or so um, just from them doing that. So that's how much money that they had held back um, at that point. Which is like, you know, that's like hiring a whole other person on your team or maybe even two people for a year. Like that's how that's how impactful that revenue is right and um then so we moved over to another advertiser and we've had zero issues they claim there's no invalid traffic there's no problems there's nothing going on everything's hunky-dory and just for the shit of it we left on one of the ads uh from google but we let we specifically left on one that like we knew doesn't really get clicked a lot and so we looked at it and we said, okay, well, let's just see if they put something on our account that just kind of automatically takes away our revenue. So we, uh, by the end of the month, after we hadn't used Google for a month with the exception of one sort of inconspicuous ad, they, like clockwork, took away 80% of the revenue again, which, which means there was something that they've done to the account. There's something that's, that's going on there where they're just kind of systematically removing or claiming that a, a portion of the traffic is uh, is is invalid and that's you know that was hugely impactful and it kind of just really showed that there has to be some level of either complete algorithmic mess up that you can't really do anything about or it's targeted and the reason why we thought it was targeted was because back in may of the same year so 2020 there was a straight uh straight line down on a graph from our search engine traffic from Google. So for example, someone types in a particular topic, CE used to be like, you know, pretty high up in the rankings, people could click and they can go there. And so Google has this search console, which shows you uh, via graphs and so forth, like, you know, the general trend of, you know, how much you end up in their search engine, how many clicks, how much traffic comes to your website based on that. And we had basically been sort of sitting in the same spot, declining little bits here and there, you know, as Google were pushing people out, pushing people out. But then May 2020, like clockwork, it went straight down and took away what looked like about 80% of the search engine traffic. So they kind of just removed us from uh, their their search results almost systematically. So when you when you combine the two together, you have to wonder what what bucket, what list we're in, where we are, you know, in terms of Google that that has such aggressive targeting or such aggressive blanket targeting um, that's a completely affecting your ability to to reach new audiences and, and make money. And, and we got to remember, too, that almost 70% of all digital ad spending on the Internet is going to Facebook and Google, you know, and Amazon's the other third uh, top uh, digital ad platform. But, I mean, these guys are starting to take control over all ads all digital ads on the internet. So, you know, this is certainly ominous and it's not looking good for anybody who isn't 
mainstream media, anybody who is anti-establishment. And, uh, you know, we haven't even talked about YouTube at all. You know, YouTube has certainly been uh, a pain in the ass for many of um, alt media, even live streamers, journalists who got into the field. Uh, Luke Rudowski, you know, he's been hit multiple times. He's had his monetization loss, like most people Ron in our Paul. niche have. Right. Yeah, there was that temporary um, issue with Ron Paul as well. Um, you know, God bless that he's uh, feeling better and can hopefully keep fighting back against all this. But uh, so I, I guess at this point, you know, we always try to end um, our podcasts uh, talking about solutions and what we think we could do to uh, possibly change all this, you know, and what individuals could do to try to not feed the beast so much using these big tech platforms. Um so do you guys want to touch on that at all? I mean, it's a it's a tough one, Arjun. Do you have any thoughts on like what can be done? Like uh, we've we've talked about this so much. Yeah. Uh, between like do we move over to new uh new do we do like a mass migration, you know? Well, um how do you organize such a thing? Yeah. Right. I think I mean all you can do is you can slowly begin shifting to these other platforms at the same time you can just keep sharing your information um because when it comes to the power these companies have it's like they're gonna do what they do and they're so powerful and it's it's hard to answer the questions like what can we do about the censorship but i think i think naturally people are seeing like how much censorship there is and how wrong it is that you know so many people are starting to become aware of it and eventually over time over time it might it might shift somehow because of that but far as what we can do as individuals um basically i don't know I, I other than it inspires me to share more information and keep sharing sure but at the same time it's it's kind of depressing and degrading there's a strike <laughs> on your page and like no right. one's gonna see what you're sharing so yeah you know? yeah, yeah. So, sorry i was just gonna add to that real quick is just i often tell people now's the time where you have to be vigilant and saying that you know you actually have to go directly to people's websites you have to go directly to their youtube channels their social right. media because you're probably not going to see it in your feed you're, you're not really so you, you just have to change your behavior as to what again it comes back to personal responsibility at the end of the day right it's like if we if we believe something's important if we want something to change and yes there's these tools that are supposed to make my life easier and, and simpler and so on and so forth but they're not doing that that's evident and it's probably not even healthy to be on them 24 7 anyway so you know maybe shift your habits like go to the things that you really do enjoy and then find other ways to share it or or take that information and share it through your your social media um uh i guess more personally as opposed to just kind of consuming content if you see it that's it um and that's that's kind of all that's kind of all it is is engagement we really have to engage in in different ways sure no, I, I agree completely, man. You know, um, I think there's two answers to this question. And, uh, you know, to kind of break it up, you know, it's like, well, what do we suggest the mainstream normies do, the masses, you know, and then what do we suggest people who are listening to this podcast, people who are interested in this counterintuitive information, people who do support our organizations. And I think those are more of the people that we have to direct the solutions to because ultimately we're never going to be able to shift and, and change the mainstream narrative and in the sense that these Facebook, Google, Twitter, like they are, will continue to keep cracking down on us the more we try to challenge these narratives. So 
my opinion, you know, there's 3.14 billion people actively using Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, and Messenger each month. So that that's a huge shift, and it's going to take a long time for fat Facebook to not be so integrated into the fabric of society. Who knows if that will ever happen, but we as individuals who actually care and want to try to make change and participate in some type of change, we do need to try to, like Joe said, go more directly to the source, sign up for an organization's emails, check the emails, don't go to these big tech sites that we know censor us. Um, also, you could go to our website and subscribe. You could give us $3 a month, you know, the price of a cup of coffee, and it helps us out. It continues our operation. It keeps us sustainable, and you get an ad-free experience for the site. So you don't have to look at any ads when you're on the site. Um, beyond that, I would also suggest that anybody who does want to create a page an or, or has an organization – um, if, if you're just interested in kind of connecting with like-minded people, get off of Facebook. I know it's enticing. I know there's incentives because Facebook, let's admit it, it is at the tip of the spear when it comes to the social media experience. It's constantly you know, bringing new types of features and things that actually do help our lives. So there is some utility there. I get that. But if you want to share counterintuitive information, some of these narratives that challenge the system – you're not going to be able to do it on Facebook for very much longer, including tomorrow. They've already said tomorrow shit's going to hit the fan. You know, they, they basically have already admitted that they will start to delete accounts if it mm -hmm. challenges the narrative and it makes Facebook somewhat responsible when it comes to some of these opinions. And, and they've, they've already made that crystal clear. So in my opinion, we need to jump on sites like Minds, um, sites like MeWe. You know, there's other certain platforms that are either more left or right. Of course, Reddit seems to be more left. Sites like Gab seems to be more right. Parler, there's that as well. From my experience, we've been posting on, let's see, uh, Float, Minds, MeWe, Gab, Mastodon, Somi, Orbeez, Parler on a daily basis. And of all those smaller platforms, I really do like MeWe the best. Minds is great too in a lot of ways, but I don't feel like it has... I don't feel like it has what it needs for the masses to migrate over there. I feel like MeWe does have that unique, almost Facebook-like interface. And I've actually seen a lot of engagement over there. Um, people are commenting. People are uh, sharing posts, unlike some of these other smaller social media sites. So if I could urge anybody today, go to MeWe, create an account. Go to my personal account, Jason Bassler, and just start friending my contact list. And you could grow your own audience. You could grow your own network. And then, of course, you know, go over there and like the Free Thought Project and please the police. I mean, that goes unsaid. But we need to get away from these social media platforms because basically, at the end of the day, we're not wanted there anymore. And, okay. and I get it. Trust me. Like, I'm a digital squatter. I will stay on Facebook for as long as it takes until I completely ban me, my IP, my family, you know, I mean, it's going to take a lot, but I'm going to be over there. I'm going to continue to plant seeds with the normies, but we do need to have a backup plan. And it's not just, you know, a lot of people have this issue with an echo chamber. And yes, echo chambers certainly have their issues. You know, everybody wants to be exposed to different ideas that don't necessarily confirm their biases. But at the same time, like if we're going to get anywhere as a movement, if we're going to get anywhere with trying to make this world a better place, make the internet a better place, 
we have to have some kind of form of communication and organization, and I think these smaller platforms are the place that provide it. Yeah, I was that was well said, and I I, I agree on the MeWe uh, MeWe front as well. It seems to be um, well enough put together and and sort of crisp enough that it that it feels it feels right. It feels like an easy transition over to something. I I, I love what Bill's doing with Minds and and. I've tested out mines here and there. It's it's just a little harder for me to, to get into it for some reason. I'm not it's sure. It's a little why. clunky. It's a little clunky. Yeah. So. And uh, sorry, Bill. I don't, I don't doubt he'd be listening to this. And, and I tried to support mines for years. And we even had a um, a conference earlier uh, in 2019, in January 2019, where we actually brought together a bunch of organizations and influencers and journalists, and we we're trying to figure out what we we're going to do to get away from the censorship. And uh, that was the conclusion, is we all need to mass migrate to mines. Uh, unfortunately, that never really happened. And the longer I'm on mines, there's just certain little issues with it that I have. You know, it doesn't feel like it's intuitive for the average user. It feels like you kind of have to be like one step above the average user of social media to really get it, uh, whether it be the token system or the crypto that's integrated or, um, you know, even using the messaging is, is challenging. You have to encrypt a key and it's just like, what? Like, no, just dumb it down. You know, that's always the, that's always the solution. It seems like when it comes to these big platforms, but uh, is there anything you want to add, Matt? Uh no man you you nailed it right there I I totally agree I I I love MeWe too and um I mean well we have to stay on Facebook but uh we can also start to move you know it's uh people check Twitter and their Facebook accounts it's easy to do MeWe too add that in the rotation right it's, uh, <laughs> you don't need to be on yeah. them for all day you know but add add it into the rotation and and start checking it and you know that's all that it takes I mean this is it's Literally. that simple it just takes people to stop using a company that treats them or is the that they're in which they're the product i mean that's right. that's you have to are you going to stay are you going to just keep laying down and be exploited and taken advantage of and censored or, or are we going to yeah build, show something new and build it up you know and and then have all that end where where's that line in the sand you know we've we've dealt with a lot of bullshit with facebook you know even the normies i mean a lot of the you know scandals with the data and everything, you know, the whole um, Cambridge Analytica. I mean, it, it's one thing after another, another with these guys, and it's like people just don't seem to care. But we need to start making that shift, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, and it, and like like you guys both said, it, it's going to be tricky. It's going to be a transition, um, but at some point we kind of got to do it. And I always wondered, like, is there actually a way to develop an effective enough campaign where you know we all get together and kind of like really like build momentum around this sort of Facebook exit type right. where you can act like you can schedule it out like, you know, 180 days from whatever, you know, it's it's happening and you're just building momentum, building momentum. Everybody's putting the alarm in their phone, putting the alarm in their phone for that day, that day. And then bam, everybody just like moves over. And if, an, if a campaign's like organized well enough, like so many of these other mass viral movements, um, I can feel like it's the only way for all of it to happen whereby the, the the businesses who rely on everybody being on Facebook, it can actually take the risk and put the time into actually moving over and putting energy into a platform because then everything can happen at once. And I, I just feel like that's a big missing link is making right. it viable for, for the businesses to actually move over. That's a good point. Well, uh, yeah, I think we, um, we've all kind of gone a little over 
how long we expected to uh, do this, but it's been a great conversation. I'm so glad we did it. Like I said, it's definitely therapeutic to talk about this stuff, and hopefully our audiences have a little better of an idea of what we're what we're going through, what goes on behind the scenes. So, um, yeah, unless you guys have anything else to say, I guess we could wrap it up. Yeah, no, I'm I'm good. I you know, appreciated the conversation as well. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff here and, you know, excited to share with people. And uh, I, I, like you say, it's one of those things where we all have to be able to connect with one another and, and what we're going through because this is a time where we all have to engage in creating solutions. It's like someone's not just going to come up with it on their own. It's like we really need to engage in how we're going to do stuff yep. as a community in general to, uh, you know, global community really to uh, to shift away from what we're headed towards. Agreed, my friend. Well, thank you so much, Joe and Arjun. Really appreciate the time and uh, let's do it again sometime. Yeah, sure. for sure. Thank you. All right, free thinkers. We'll catch you next time. Thank you guys. Peace.